Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. First question. I've been sober as defined by SAA.org since December of 2020. Trickle disclosure to my wife was in November of uh, 2020. I am in a 12-step program. I have a CSAT and I regularly attend meetings at our drop-in groups at SRH. My acting out behaviors are lusting, wanted to be lusted after pornography and image addiction. No sex or anything like that outside of my marriage and all the lies and deceit that come with it. I've read um, of the book Out of the Doghouse and Help Her Heal. My wife and I went through the divorce process and had the courage to step mm. back into the relationship with me um, in October of last year. During our lived away, during our, I lived away during most when they of were the time coming back. Yeah. And out of the house and we have children together. Right now, she feels like she doesn't respect herself for deciding to come back into the relationship with me. She would, she is withdrawing and no longer affectionate, et cetera. Can you give me some insight on how best to show up for her with these feelings? I hear this often where partners really struggle with, you know, I'm humiliated or I, I, you know, what's wrong with me? you know, mm -hmm. that I'm letting this happen. So, so what are your thoughts on that? Well, this is a very personal question because I don't know the situation, the spouse, where they're coming from, but I can honestly say like my first thought was this is the perfect kind of uh, dilemma, which belongs in couples therapy. This is absolutely, you know, there's sobriety, there's growth, there's been working through relationship. Now you've got an emotional problem that you don't want to drive you apart again. So this is where I think a really good professional could help you guys figure out what's, are you doing something to trigger this? You know, maybe when you do some particular thing or don't do some particular thing, she gets triggered. Um, on the other hand, you know, spouses as we know are on a roller coaster and they can go back and forth and back and forth. But what I hate hearing is that she's not happy with herself, you know? And, you know, even if she came back in the relationship, it didn't feel that it was working for her or right for her, good or bad, right or wrong. I still would want her to feel like I gave it a good try. I did my best. It was good to check it out. You know, I say to the guys in recovery who are having affairs, you have to stop having an affair before you decide to move in with the affair partner, because how will you ever feel you gave your relationship a full chance if you still had one foot out the door? Um, so it's kind of like that in some ways. Hey, Tammy, what do you think? Well, I, it's challenging because I like it feels like um, there's things like I hear what you're doing, you know, uh, uh, for your recovery. I don't hear what her support mm. has been. And so that's the kind of the missing piece. And maybe she has been, right. you know, doing um, the, the betrayed partner things. Um, but, you know, but I hear unprocessed grief, uh, you know, grieving the loss of what she'd hoped for grieving all of that, you know, and um, the roller coaster that Dr. Rob just mentioned of, you know, of the emotions and feelings, but, but the feeling stuck, you know, like that, I mean, if she's stepping into the space, you know, what is it that the two of you want for the relationship and how can you with where you are right now, move forward in a different way? Yeah, I like the you know, working with a qualified uh, couples uh, therapist for this. Dr. Rob did, and I've mentioned this one before, Dr. Rob did a, 
podcast on on uh, which is posted on our sex and relationship healing.com site um but with dr stan tatkin about we do um uh, which is dr stan's book but it talks about in a healthy relationship it's the two of us against the world and if we're focusing on what's good for the relationship it's good for for both of us and she, it feels like she's not there yet um like she, she you know it feels like she's hurt but is there some mutual goal for the relationship that you guys can come to you know we're focusing on that you know helps each of you feel like you're doing what's good for the relationship because the other thing dr stan talked about is you know in a healthy relationship where it's the two of you focus on if it's good for the relationship that's healthier for each either or for each of you individually as well as the relationship when it's one person um which is what addiction is this one person you know being self-serving then you know then you know a relationship can be unhealthy and worse for you know for the individuals in it as well that's the most simplified version of the more get get the real stuff from the podcast but um so that's what i, I just kind of wonder about is you know, can you shift the focus to how do we work on the relationship mm -hmm. together that's exactly what it well it relates to exactly what i'm gonna say there's a really simple question i have for you which is what have you said to her <laughs> have you said i really feel like you're drifting away or i'm worried that we haven't found or i can um i'm so work concerned that you feel you've disrespected yourself because i feel this has been a good trial period wherever we end up i mean how much are you sitting down and expressing your concern and your care in a non-manipulative way you know and that's of course the important part well you know the kids are here you know that would not be a good way to start you want her give her in fact this is a situation where i think someone really wants to have control so i would absolutely let her have as much control as she needs to but i would not be shy about saying you know i really love you and i feel like you're drifting away and i don't know what to do about it and you know am i missing something or do we need a couples therapy you know start with her what a simple and communication. Uh, idea. Yeah. And, you know, and verbalize it. Yes. And bring okay. her here. Yes. Um, so uh, this is, I have been a sex addict since I was 18. I'm now 64 and was diagnosed five months ago. And for the first, or, and for the last several years, I have transitioned from acting out weekly to just porn for the, for the last few years. Does this change my diagnosis or treatment regimen? That's a, that's a, I've shifted yeah. what I'm doing. So it feels like harm, uh, minimizing the harm, harm reduction, but. It, well, it, I, you know, I, I, um, I want to say about this when you're a younger person and you start to have problems with porn from the get go or over time, you're 25 and you haven't done much dating. And that, that is a very different set of circumstances than this. I mean, you said that you've been an active sex addict for many, many years. And what I'm getting from this, Tammy, is this person transitioned from seeing sex workers or having affair, whatever they were doing to just porn. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we would say that addiction is like whack-a-mole. You knock, knock something down in one place and it pops up in the other. So I, I, I don't think it really matters whether it's expressing itself this way or that way. And by the way, at 64, no, no, no discredit to your hard work, but it's not that hard to slow down your sexual life to some degree. And most of the men, and Tammy, do you believe, I have to say this, do you believe that we have people... I want to say this in a loving way. It blows my mind that people come in at 80 years old to come to treatment with us. I mean, I, 
I don't know. I'd be sitting on a beach with a pina colada, like, you know, forget the weight gain, weight loss. And but, I feel like this is hopeful that I want the next 20 years of my life to be very different and have integrity that I've lacked. So I rock on, you know. Oh, it just, and the other piece I think is if, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but I want to be a piece of myself mm -hmm. and the people I love, you know? So anyway, um, but being 64, is a little bit easier to slow down on the sex. So I'm not sure you get, you know, I don't think Tammy and I want to give you a lot of kudos here um, because yes, it does seem like you've switched from one thing to another. The diagnosis is being an addict and it doesn't really matter. You know, um, my question though, is this porn interfering in your life? Does it make you feel bad about yourself? Is it having negative consequences? Do you, are you in a relationship where the porn is not acceptable? Um, you know, has, is it compulsive? I mean, I, I don't know your particular situation, but the way you ask it, you know, it's kind of like going from whiskey to wine. You're still drinking. Well, and, and I ask often, you know, are they switching to another form of, you know, self-soothing? It can be, uh, we just read mm -hmm. an article today about gaming is now like in the ICD-11. They're talking about compulsive gaming because I know lots of people mm -hmm. who have switched. Well, it's just gaming. Well, it, it isn't it, anything that takes us away from being... You know, Dr. Rob said, are you, you know, is there, are you in a relationship where this is problematic? I, my question is, are you in a relationship? Like, do you have real people mm -hmm. in your life or is mm -hmm. this, your life is just this isolated, you know, and um, disconnected. Uh, uh, so, so to me, what we do at our treatment program, regardless of the men's age that come to us is we're we're working on stopping the problematic behaviors, but address the underlying issues. And I, my question is what's, you know, what's going on that you started as a sex addict at 18, there was probably stuff going on right. for you before that, that makes you uncomfortable with just being, just being and being connected in a real and meaningful way with real people. Mm -hmm. You know, Tammy, I'm thinking that you say that, thank you, is that this is the wrong question. You know, the question is, why am I still acting out at 64? Why? And by the way, just to say it, you know, if I'm questioning something, it probably isn't a good thing. <laughs> you know, I don't question when I go have a sandwich, but if I say, should I talk to this person or not? It's probably something right about it. So um, you're questioning something. I think you're asking the wrong question though, which is why am I still uh, tied to this leash? Is this the way I want to live my life? Um, I have to look back. It's all one continuous thing. So you can say it's just this now, but it's, you know, how far are you looking back and how your sexual life affected you at 30 and 40 and, you know, all of that. So I think you're asking the wrong question because the question is, how did I get this way? How do I stop? And how do I look at myself in a way, how can I bring this into some kind of um, light so I can understand where it came from, why, you know, just understand myself better. Because the question is not, is this this or is that that? The question I think is, how do I stop? And how can I take a really good look at myself and understand how I got here in the first place? And, you know, and going back to what we just said a little bit ago about, you know, the, the age, what do you want, you know, for, for now, for the rest of your life, do you want to be, you know, just looking at porn and disconnected and, you know, or do you want to have, have meaningful connection with real people? So, and maybe that terrifies you, it might, but, but I'll tell you what, it's so much better than, you know, than the problematic behaviors that we get, you know, in, in acting out. So, okay. 
Next question. My husband is having a hard time finding a therapist. We get so much from the resources here in Dr. Rob's podcast, but can't seem to find a therapist on the same level. That's because there's only one Dr. Rob. Um, I just had to throw that in. He would like to find a, a CSAT therapist, but hasn't been able to find one in our area under insurance. That's I'll talk about that in a moment. His last two therapists don't give him much feedback and ask him to fill out surveys or read books. He attends an essay group and we uh, see a marriage counselor together. Is that enough? We both feel he should dive into his childhood more, but he's not able to do that so far. So, so most CSAT, I, I, I do recommend, and Dr. Rob put it in the, the chat, Tammy, T-A-M-I at seekingintegrity.com. And I do need to know where you're at. That said, if you're, if insurance is your primary focus, you will have a very difficult time finding them. They, you know, they're therapists and then they take more training. Most therapists don't have addiction training. Even fewer have this specific I say this all the time to people, you know, it's like you, you, if you have cancer, you want the cancer specialist, you want somebody who really knows what they're doing. Um, so, so to me, um, you know, and I don't know where you are in the process. We early on in the process, you know, marriage counseling is less effective. And again, if you have a marriage counselor who's doing regular marriage therapy, instead of this kind of work, it, it's very different. And Often it not only doesn't help, but sometimes it can be more problematic. So, so there are trained therapists if, and most of them, even if they don't take your insurance, will provide you a super bill after you have sessions and you can submit it for some reimbursement at some point, you know, like is treading, treading the same, you know, water over and over again. Or do you want to get to someplace different? Dr. Rob, I'm going to say two more things. Dr. Rob does a one-time expert consultation. He does these via Zoom. So he does them with people all over the world. They're not therapy, but he does this. And he's really good at helping figure out, here's the issues, here's where you are right now and guiding next steps. So it's it can be... Um, very helpful. And, well, it can, it's discerning seen, for like, yeah, like one couple said, I've been to four different therapists over the past two years and nobody was able, really able to help them in that moment, figure out, you know, what to do when Dr. Rob was able to do that. So again, reach out to me if you want that. The other thing is if somebody's stuck, if he's not, you know, getting enough um, help, that's what our program is. We have an expert treatment program for men with sex addiction, intimacy disorders, or some have co-occurring chemical addiction. And sometimes they've stopped the problematic behavior, but they're just not getting that solid foundation or they're struggling with relapse. They're just not getting a clue how to live in a very different way. You know, and that is what our expert clinical team is able to help with. So those are some options. We have supplemental things like the work groups and things, you know, as well. So there are some supplemental things, but getting the right help. This is like the cancer treatment. You want the right help. This is hard stuff and, and not getting the right help, you know, uh, it, you know, it's like you're lost in the woods, get the right help. So, okay. Well, no, I just want to say one quick thing and it's not, Look, you know, if you know me at all, I'm very, very honest and truthful sometimes, well, often to a fault. And so I'm going to tell you the real deal out there, which is many clinicians who are unable to develop a very healthy private practice and get cash payments. In other words, the ones who either aren't very skillful at letting people know they're out there or the ones who aren't particularly good, they want a paycheck. So they go work for insurance-based programs or they only take insurance. Um, 
that's just the best that they can do. And I don't in any way mean to insult anyone who takes insurance. I'm simply saying that when you get to the level of a specialist, you have to really have the resources to pay for that. And to it's not easy to get one of these. I mean, the CSAT takes how long, Tammy? Over a year? It's 150 hours of additional right. training. And then you still have to continue. In order to keep that, you have to continue um, to get continuing education. So, yeah, it is it is a requirement. So I, I want to say just a little sad thing that may help. I have a, a dear friend who passed away last fall. And he went to one of those, you know, just pay one fee and you can see every doctor here and you can't choose anybody, but you just go to our clinic. You know, I don't want to name it, um, but there was a sort of an all in one shop. And that's the only place he could go for medical care. And he would, didn't want to pay for the preferred ones where you could choose your own doctor and all of that. So when I heard his treatment plan for cancer, I thought, oh, I wish you weren't getting treatment there. I wish you were going to a place that had a higher level of clinician. Because he, you know, they walked him through and they did the right thing. And, you know, but I think he could have lived longer. He was eventually going to pass anyway. But I, you know, when it comes to healthcare, and I hope you understand that mental health is healthcare, I want the very best that I can find. And, um, you know, as Tammy said, most of them give you, now granted, you're only get, going to get $25 back per session, but they do give you a super bill and you can send it in. And, so, you know, if you all at all have the resources, I really recommend you, at least for a short period of time, try to seek out someone who can put you on the right road. Um, because, yeah, it's like having a specialist. I mean, a specialist, you want a specialist, not a, and most of these folks are general clinicians. Yes. And I don't know what your reimbursement will be. I have a great therapist. I pay her and then I get some reimbursement. And you know what? I'd pay the whole amount. I submit to reimbursement because I want that. But but it, it's about the help she gives me, you know? And I, you know, so it, it's- She I've, gives it to all of us, Tammy, trust me. Your therapist You don't know my therapist. Yeah. No, but, but believe me, through you. Yeah. We all- Oh, yeah. well, the, oh thank you. I hear what you're saying. We do. Yes. Yeah, no, she, yeah. She saved my bacon during COVID. I was not doing well. So yes. She gave me focus. It was good. So, okay. So um, next question. Spouse talked with a marriage counselor and said, not an addict. Oh, First yeah. said. Yeah. yeah. Um, because he still desires his spouse. Then he admitted it was a binge thing because he could go years with no porn. I addressed his hurt heart somewhere or somewhat. And he said it, he would take the addiction test on the site. Is he an addict? What was the results? Well, uh, I don't think they found it. They're asking oh. if you can put a link to I will put the a link addiction onto. test. And I would, we have a, there's one for porn and there's one for general yeah, sexual I'm gonna behavior. Give you the, My I'm going to put it in the chat. Play with him. So um, remember, questions in the Q&A and I'll put some things in the chat. This is one of the, that's the, uh, the self-test for uh, sex and porn addiction. The end, so like, I want to clarify with, this is just a quick self screen. This is, you know, like keep track of the score, but you know, um, at the end of the day, like the assessments that we do with the clients coming into our program, completely different, like, you know, they take four to five hours. Yeah. It's, it's there. Yeah. There are a lot, but we want to know, we want to understand the underlying issues. So, yeah. And by the way, people, um, and then I'll say this to Melissa because she put her name up. People lie 
You know, I know that, and they understate, and sometimes people who are in early recovery or, or just coming to, sorry, just coming to the realization of their problem, they don't, you know, they might not check off something as being as powerful or concerning as it is because it's just how they've lived. It's just how their life has been. I do, though, have to say there was something that struck me in the second part of your question, which was, I don't know why his heart hurts, but if he's actively acting out with sexual problems, not admitting to the entire thing, and you are in a meaningful relationship with this person, because you said spouse, my first thought would not be addressing his or her heart, his heart hurt. My, my focus would be on me. How do I feel on how this is affecting my marriage, my kid, my children? Do I, uh, uh, I'm angry that he's still doing this or, or doesn't really that I have to like massage his, his ego in order to get him to take the test. I mean, I, I, my concern is more for you here, which is it sounds like you're lovingly supporting someone into understanding why they've cheated on you. And that just doesn't fit together. Um, so anyway, Tammy, can you say a little bit more about why a spouse? Well, let me just say this. I think my behavior can influence others the reality is the only way that I can influence others or at least say where they are is to focus on myself. Um, I cannot, and really we can't control what other people do and Lord knows I've tried. But Tammy, the question it, to me really is um, about loving someone and not wanting to really get angry at them and wanting to support them and getting, but at the same time, like missing out on the whole part about yourself, you know, or focusing on their healing and forgetting about me. Like, could you say a little bit about that? Well, or focusing on their reaction. Like if I talk to him mm -hmm. about this and I'm using he and she and that's yeah, yeah, just, just for discussion purposes. But, you know, I hear often from partners who are like, you know, I, oh, he'll get mad if I talk about that so like they have to close down walk on eggshells in order to you know like they're afraid like he's still acting out or they're afraid he's going to act out if because that would be the excuse right. of if if oh, you made him mad so now he's going to go you know act out and it's your fault and it's not it's not you know and all of these wounds and childhood stuff that's all Yes, every single one of the clients who's come to our program together. has stuff, but until you stop the acting out, you can't address the underlying issues. So it's stop the problematic behavior and then get a plan for it. And some of this stuff is, I mean, it's not like they come to treatment and we, you know, everything's wrapped up with a bow when they leave. They have a plan, but this takes time and, you know, it's layers. And, and I really, in my own journey have found that, you know, as I was able to take in the next layer, then the next layer became obvious that I needed to work on it. It wasn't like, I mean, I would have been overwhelmed and I would have never, ever gotten into any kind of recovery if I had to, you know, dig down to the very worst stuff right off the bat. So. Yeah, I just, as someone said something else, um, uh, so, uh, but let me just answer the, the bottom line. Is he an addict? Um, I don't know whether he's an addict or not, but there is this sense I get from his behavior, which is he basically didn't give the whole story. And then he did give the whole story. And then he said, but it's not a big deal because I can go out with porn. I, I don't know. There's a whole lot of uh, what I said earlier, like if I feel like things are good for me, I don't question them. There's a whole lot of questioning going on here and a whole lot of secrecy and a whole lot of indirectness. So something feels uncomfortable. I don't know whether he's an addict or not, but certainly there's not open communication between you and him. And like Tammy said, there seems to be some kind of 
uh, anxiety about how it's going to affect him as opposed to you're taking care of yourself. Um, so questions in the q and I will look at the um, chat later, but um, questions in the Q&A, please. That helps. Please. So, yeah. So one, one more thing with this, it's like the spouse, spouse talked with a marriage counselor. And what I picked up from that is the spouse talked to the marriage counselor. And, and again, if this is not somebody who's qualified to deal with these issues, I, I hear this all the time. Well, the therapist, or he said that his therapist told him that he's not really an mm -hmm. addict, you know, like, first of all, he said, and second of all, was that person really qualified to, and how much assessment did they really do, you know, with this person? Um, and only, only CSATs have, you know, the battery of assessments that are, you know, helpful in, in really figuring this out. So, so uh, lots of questioning, but you're here. And so you, like, there's lots of uh, resources for betrayed partners on sexandrelationshiphealing.com, including drop-in groups, lots more webinars and things. So keep coming back to these. Um, the podcasts are all supportive, you know, stuff too. So, Okay. Next question. My wife still thinks I've not changed two years into recovery. She feels everything in our relationship is about me. Like she is a planet orbiting me. I do forget things that are important to her. I don't consider her safety when I do things like go into work situations where I used to act out because I do, I do that anymore. Um, is bookending everything? Uh, the answer, how can I be more consistent and considerate of her needs? And he doesn't act out at work there. anymore. Yeah. So um, well, I, uh, when you say you don't consider her safety, I assume you're talking about her emotions, you know, and I have seen people who acted out in the workplace, go back to that place of business. And every single time they go to work, it hurts their spouse and, you know, jobs actually these days are reasonably easy to find from what I hear. So, um, if it was hurting my partner and I was able to see that, especially two years into recovery, I might think about, is there someplace else I can work? Um, because, oh, no, 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 I have this job and I love that I'm a par par partner, whatever it is. But look at your spouse, look at their face, ask them, what would make you the most comfortable? How can I, you know, what is your goal here? You know, what is your goal? I don't know if booking and bookending is the right thing to do. Maybe you just shouldn't be there. Um, I do re recommend reading out of the doghouse if you haven't, because I think two years in, it is a really good guide toward helping understand what a cheated spouse feels like and how to address their fears and upset. Um, it's a book I wrote. And there's also a course, I think, that we teach called Out of the Doghouse, a yes, relationship saving guide starts, for men caught cheating. I think the next one, don't hold me to this, but I think it starts on the 17th. So you have time to sign up for that. It's a six week, 90 minutes a week. And I think you'd find it very illuminating and, and helpful, you know, on, on making some progress with this. But I was thinking the same thing as you, Dr. Rob, that there isn't safety with emotional safety. I'm also like, are you checking or doing the check-in every day? What conversations are you having about? Like we talked a little while ago, like how do we put the relationship first? What are we doing that we're talking about mm -hmm. our relationship? What, what we need, you know, to move the relationship forward, not each of us, but, but that, but to, to me, if she's feeling like she's orbiting you, you know, there is a definite disconnect to how, um, the, the two of you are working towards a mutual goal of the mm -hmm. relationship. So um, I want to add just one more thing, which is mm -hmm. um, there's a sense I get about this couple. Like I I'm in recovery and I'm working on myself. So everything's going to go back to normal. 
and everything's wow. just going to go back to the way it was. And um, one of the things I think you have to realize is that um, there needs to be a whole different way that you live and how you focus on the person, most important people in your life than you had before. You can't just stop acting out and say, well, and, and work through some of the anger and the disappointment and say, okay, well, life will go back to the way it was. That the way it was left your spouse, left your spouse feeling like, uh, I, how do I say this? You're not gaining a whole lot of emotional ground leaves your spouse feeling like not a whole lot has changed. So, uh, and we hear this a lot. And I understand that six months in recovery, you have not necessarily learned how to be a better person, but two years in. So all I'm saying is that um, maybe you should stop forgetting things that are important to her. <laughs> you know, you say it like it's a fait accompli. Well, I do forget things. How about when you've betrayed someone and you're really trying to work on the long-term commitment in the relationship, you make sure you have reminders and it's on your calendar and that you ask her, do you feel safe in my going this situation? Everything is not back to normal where it's okay to forget things and you can go back to work because you've been sober and working on this. I really think we have to, the question, how can I learn to be more consistent and considerate to her needs? Number one, ask her. And number two, I think, well, I don't know about you, but I certainly know when I've made a decision that is in my best interest and not necessarily in the best interest of us as a couple, I know. And uh, the good thing is I know, so I can go back and clean it up. But I don't think that you need a whole lot of lessons other than what she has to tell you and how to be more consistent and considerate. In fact, I would bet she's already told you and you're not listening when I think you, I've told you guys, we read impact letters in treatment and we ask all the spouses to send us a letter of what you've gone through. And when I read these things in group, so many of the guys say, oh, I've heard this a million times before, but I never was really listening. And now that we're sitting here in a group and my spouse isn't here and you're reading it like you read a book, oh my God, was that me? And so um, I think a more objective view than the way you've been looking at it would really be helpful and not to learn how to be more consistent and considerate, but buy the book, take the course and ask her and then actually do it for the long term. Not I've been two years in recovery, so now I can just be the way I was. Um, things will need to change for the long term. So anyway. No, I, and I love that. And, and, you know, and if you're a successful person in business, you have you know, all the tips and tricks that you need to be successful in business. So what do you need to do to be successful with this? And, you know, I use post-it notes and reminders on my phone and calendar alerts. And, you know, so if it's, you know, if it's showing up and doing things, it's showing up and doing things. And if you have to have 12 reminders on your phone to remind you to do that one thing, you know, okay. You know, then I, then you, I you know, Tammy, since you mentioned that I am still learning that all I have to do is say, I don't want to bother him. Hey, Siri, can you set up a reminder for tomorrow at 9 a.m. to drop off some flowers at my wife's office? Thank you. Um, and guess what? You'll get a reminder first thing in the morning. My reminder yes. is set for tomorrow. It's yes. just that easy. Maybe yeah. you need to go out of your way. Yeah. 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 And I go back to what's going to be good for the relationship. And and it, it, you know, you it love is, that podcast, don't you? That particular I do, one. I do. I mm. really, I, I have given that one. I mean, there's lots of them I give, but, but particularly, I think that that is about healthy relationships and it isn't just with your primary person. If I want to be in a relationship with somebody, we have to focus on what is helpful for both of us and how it's mutually beneficial, not just me, 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 me. And, and it's actually been a very good gauge of people I want to be in a relationship with, because mm -hmm. there are certain people that just can't show up and, 
no harm, no foul, but then I invest less of myself Boundaries. in that relationship. Exactly. So, so it's just helpful for me. I learn lots. So, and, but I want to continue to learn. So. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.